0: This is what it says and we're not working for some reason. There we are. Atherton Tables Baptist Church following Jesus, caring for each other, impacting the world. You knew that, didn't you? Subconsciously, you've seen that sign every time you drive in here on a Sunday or any other time during the week and you knew that but just couldn't remember it at the moment. Well, this this is the time of the year when I normally refresh our memories. So, at least once a year or maybe three times a year, I think there's three sermons, um, we look at... What are we on about as a church? You know, as God's people gather together in this place and further afield, what are we on about? And we want to be people who follow Jesus. So if you uh, uh, don't want to hear about Jesus, then don't come to church. Because pretty well every week you'll hear about Jesus in this place and I'm okay with that. You okay with that? Good. So we need to know what it means to follow Jesus. And then caring for, for each other, caring for one another. And uh, we do that through various ways in the life of our church and then also impacting the world for Jesus. So, so we're going to visit that over the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to uh, focus mainly on the first part for probably four or five weeks, following Jesus. What's it mean to follow Jesus? And uh, to use that, I've, I've, I've been reading a book for the last few weeks called uh, by a fellow called Kyle Eidelman. I'll refer to this book in a little while. It's given me some guidelines for these messages over the coming weeks. But I want to ask, are you following Jesus by being a fan or a follower? And I've got to be careful when I say that with a missing front tooth because you might get sprayed in the front row. So, are you a fan of Jesus? Are you following Jesus because you're a fan of his? Are you following Jesus because you truly are a follower of Jesus? So, this morning I want us to look at one verse in particular but a few other verses that support it about how we define your relationship with Jesus. So, the question that I'll be asking you and you'll probably get asked this a few times over the next four or five weeks, hopefully you're not um, uh, anaesthetised to it so that you won't actually ask yourself the question, am I a fan or am I a follower of Jesus? There is a difference. There is a difference. And today, I hope that you've made the right choice in your life. I hope that you... I'm not a fan. I hope that you are a follower of Jesus. But we're going to define what the difference is about that over the coming weeks. So, this uh, message is based on a book by a guy called Kyle Idleman. Not a Fan, Becoming a Completely Committed Follower of Jesus is what the subtitle says. So, what does that mean, A Completely Committed Follower of Jesus? So, I've got a short video, three minutes I don't know about you, but when I watch TV at home, two minutes is when I start to doze off, so hopefully you won't doze off in this one. It's three minutes by the author, Kyle Eidelman, and he's, uh, he's telling you his story. This is what he says. I might have to bump the sound up a bit.
1: A fan is simply defined as an enthusiastic admirer. I would have to say that for... Most of my Christian life, I haven't been much more than a fan of Jesus. I was born into a Christian home. I went to a Christian school. You know, my dad was a preacher. And from the beginning, I was expected to love Jesus. I was expected to believe in Jesus. And that meant by the time I was 13, you know, I was expected to have the Baptist blow-dry haircut. Uh, You know, the peer pressure that I experienced as a kid was to wear the Christian T-shirt. So I had... um, God's Gym. I wore that one. Uh, this Blood's For You. And yeah, I had that one too. And, and from the beginning, I was a, a fan. I was a fan of Jesus. In fact, in my room, this is true, in my room, next to a poster of Michael Jordan, I had a picture of Jesus Christ. And that kind of captures it. I, mean, I was a fan of Michael and I was a fan of Jesus. I wanted to be like Jesus, but I wanted to be like Mike. <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 I thought that was enough. And what I've discovered over the years is that there are just a lot of Christians who are enthusiastic admirers of Jesus. They're fans. But then if you read through the Gospels, you discover that Jesus was never too interested in having fans. What he wanted, what he wanted was followers. He, he wasn't so concerned about the size of the crowd that was with him. He, can, he cared about the commitment of the people. Who were following him. You know, there's a passage of Scripture that doesn't often get quoted, and it comes from Luke chapter 9, verse 23. It's Jesus, and he says, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, for a lot of people, that invitation to follow Jesus by denying yourself and taking up your cross, oftentimes that isn't included in the presentation of the gospel. And they got the John 3.16, but the Luke 9.23 somehow got left out. But here, here's what I have discovered, that for me and for others on this journey, that it's not enough just to be a fan. That until you completely surrender your life to Jesus Christ, and until you give Him every part of you, you'll never experience the real life, the true life that He wants you to have. And so, um, you're going to hear some different stories of people on this website who have gone from being a fan of Jesus, just an enthusiastic admirer, to being a follower of Jesus. And they have said, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to hold nothing back and to give everything I have to Jesus Christ. I, I don't know if you're a fan. Maybe you're someone, though, like me, who wanted to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it required sacrifice. You you wanted to follow Jesus into heaven, but you didn't necessarily want to take a cross with you. But the only invitation that Jesus offered was an invitation to die to yourself and to find life in him. When we move from being a fan, just an enthusiastic admirer, to being a follower of Jesus Christ, that's when we truly find the life that he wants us to have. My name is Kyle Eidelman and I am not a fan.
0: Please go to his website, just search on not a fan and there's some great stories of people who realised that they were enthusiastic admirers of Jesus but they weren't following him as he wanted them to. And so we're going to be looking at that over these couple uh, few weeks. A definition, a fan, as he mentioned in that video, a fan is an enthusiastic admirer and usually a spectator. Now, we've got a few fans up here, Uh, sports fans, you know, the um, North Queensland Cowboys. Anybody follow the North Queensland Cowboys? Sometimes, okay. Well, if I had said that at the Men's Shed, they would have started in the North Queensland Cowboy song. Uh, what about the Cairns Taipans? Any Cairns Taipans supporters? I knew there'd be at least two. Did you know they haven't got a song? I couldn't find a song. No? They're a bit, bit slack about that, but, but, but they have loud, enthusiastic supporters. So, we know what it's like to be a fan, don't we? We might be a fan of a certain type of music. We might be a fan of a certain type of author. We are enthusiastic usually as spectators. We don't get involved as such. Like Taipans, spectators don't actually play the game, do they? But they love it when the the team wins. There's a difference between a fan and being a follower and Jesus had lots of fans because he did some great things. He taught some great uh, lessons. He did wonderful miracles and people followed him with the hope that they would be the recipients of some of that miraculous thing that happened, or that they might learn something new that they'd never heard before and it would change their lives. Well, not necessarily change their lives. but There were many people. Now, I'm, I'm reluctant to ask this, you know, because I'm, there's usually two camps that people are in: Holden's, sadly, General Motors now, or Fords. But you don't have to tell me which you are. Which you are? I have a red shirt in my cupboard at home, so you'll know where I stand. And I drive a blue car, but it's a General Motors car. A follower is different. Sadly, in our world and even in our churches, that's the imbalance that happens. The imbalance is that people are are more excited about being a fan than being a follower. I think I've got that around the wrong way, haven't I? I worked hard on that graphic too. (laughs) Anyhow, you know what I'm talking about Sadly, there's lots of fans in our church and in general in in the community. Many people think that Jesus was a great guy. He had really good teaching. In fact, our government system in the democratic world is based on some of the uh, Judeo-Christian ethics of the scriptures. But there's very few in our communities and in our churches there are, are sometimes less people that are followers than fans. So, what's a follower mean? A follower is one in the service of or who follows the teaching of or who imitates another. There's a difference, isn't it? What's the difference? The difference is one looks on, the other one gets involved. One looks on, one participates with the person. They're a follower of that person. So, what are you today? Are you a follower or are you a fan? Hopefully we'll be able to discover where you are and what you can do about it. In the um, New Testament, a follower was often described as a disciple or as an apprentice. They would follow the Master. They would learn from the Master. They would do what the Master told them to do. They would ask questions of the Master and he would give them answers about life, about their trade or whatever. My mission in ministry for nearly 40 years has been to make disciples of Jesus, make followers of Jesus. And it's based on the models that I saw as a young person where people took time to come alongside me and tell me when I was doing things wrong gently and advise me on the way I could do life better, wisely. And I saw, not only in my life but other young people's lives, this incredible formation of what it means to not just be a fan, but to be a follower of Jesus. I had a youth director. I had a scripture union youth leader. I had pastors that spoke into my life and they encouraged me to be a follower of Jesus, not just a fan of Jesus. And it's the difference between being a fan with the head knowledge and being a follower with the heart knowledge, which takes over the whole body. So you become a follower of Jesus. The other reason for looking at these messages is this year in Queensland Baptist. Um, oh, there you are. I got the other one around the wrong way. Okay. Queensland Baptist has got a theme this year intentional discipleship. So, so, looking to see people, all of us, if we're willing and we choose to, to find somebody that we might disciple them or help them become a disciple, a follower of Jesus in 2024. I was trying to think of a, capital, a catchy phrase, you know, like uh, set free in 23. And I thought of a disciple more in 24. Not there yet, but you never know what might happen in the next couple of weeks. So we're spending some weeks on this truth because I have a concern that we're probably not doing it well. We're probably not doing encouraging people to become followers of Jesus well. And there are some things from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus tells a Stunning picture, Uh, it tells a stunning story, paints an incredible picture of what will happen when we stand before our Father in heaven when Jesus comes back again. He speaks of a time in Matthew 7 when, when those who have worn the name of Jesus will stand confidently before the throne of God and sadly all they will hear is depart from me, I never knew you. Do you know who those people will be? Those people are the fans of Jesus. Those people have thought that he's a great teacher, that he tells wonderful stories, that he's done incredible things. But that's as far as it's gone. They've never said, I will follow you. And the ones that are following Jesus are the ones that, where God will say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your reward. Jesus didn't die to create a fan base. He didn't die just to get the numbers of people that really liked him. His blood was shed to forgive sin, change lives and make disciples, new believers. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is a faithful follower. So what are you today? Are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? You can answer that question for yourself. One thing that's a a warning or a caution about being a fan is, and We've seen this over the years, whether you're a Brisbane Bron- Broncos fan or a uh, North Queensland Cowboys fan. When they're not doing so well, guess what happens to the fans? They look somewhere else to support another team, don't they? So fans can be fickle. That's why Jesus doesn't want fans. He wants followers. He wants people that will commit. He wants people that will be there for the long run, not just because their team is winning, not just, just because he... Is doing all those great things. So, whenever we gather, whenever we come together in small groups of large groups, there's usually about three types of people that come together when it comes to what their relationship with Jesus is like. And we're going to look at those briefly this morning. Based on this verse, Luke chapter 9, Jesus said to all that were there listening to him, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me daily. There are these people that are involved, committed people, a committed relationship. What's your relationship like with Jesus today? How would you define your relationship? Are you committed to him? A second group is those who are seemingly Christian but, but think we should really go overboard on the religious stuff. I go to church Sunday mornings. I don't see the need of anything else. I don't go crazy over religion. And those people are not the committed relationship. They're, they're the casual relationship people. And the third group are the cold relationship people. So I reckon that whenever we gather, there's those people amongst us. And the, the cold group are still those who are deciding about whether they'll follow Jesus or not. So my encouragement to you today is listen up. Decide which Relationship you currently have with Jesus and decide to work towards being in a committed relationship with him, following him as a faithful follower of Jesus. So, what's a committed relationship? Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. There's no mistake. Hear what Jesus is repeating over and over again. He says it in every Gospel. He says in Matthew, Mark and Luke, anyone who is not with me is against me. Anyone who is not with me is against me. That with is a strong word. It's a, it's, a, it's a word of commitment. It's a word of pledge or promise or obligation or a vow even. Jesus' words lead us to know that he expects a complete loyalty and faithfulness of his followers. Not just when the times seem to be going good, but when they're, going, when they're difficult as well. So a follower will hang in there. A fan might give up when, when life gets tough. John chapter 6 is another passage you might like to turn to. Uh, I'll have some of it up there in a while. As you probably know the story well, Jesus is in a crowd and the disciples must have thought, this is what we're talking about, big crowds, lots of people following Jesus. This is. We have made it. We're with the in-crowd we'll be able to establish the kingdom of God in no time at all. And in their minds, Jesus did a great thing. He fed the multitude. And that's always important to us as Christians, isn't it? Food. no? So they were a part of that feeding of the multitude. And they even had food left over. And so Peter and James and John, I'm sure they would have been excited about being with Jesus at that time. And then he said to them, something that may sound a little bit counterproductive. He said, I am the bread of life. The living bread which came down from heaven, the food you have just enjoyed, it was okay, but the one who eats partakes of this, and who partakes of this living bread, he will never die. In other words, Jesus used that occasion and that event for that large multitude of people to show people the true way to God and to heaven. It wasn't about just eating the bread and the fish. is about believing who Jesus was and following him. Jesus turned to uh, some of his disciples at that time and he said, do you want to go too? Because a lot of the people had started to wander away. When Jesus put the hard word on them, when he spoke clearly about what it meant to follow him, a lot of them wandered away. And so he asked his disciples, do you want to go too? And Peter was the spokesman at that time. He said this, Lord, where, will we, where would we go? You are the answer. You are the one. You are the Messiah. If you say that you have a committed relationship with him, then you need to answer a few questions. And the first one is, can you leave him? Can you leave Jesus? I don't need you to answer that out loud, but you need to answer it for yourself. Can you walk away from Jesus knowing all that he's done for you? Can you turn your back on him because the going gets tough? I suggest that if you can walk away, stay away and never come back, then your relationship with him is less than committed. And friends, I have friends that I've worked with in churches over the years who thought they were committed in their relationship to Jesus, but they have since walked away from a daily walk with him. Because life got a little bit tough. Second question you might like to ask yourself, do you spend time with him? Do I spend time with him? Some years ago I was told that children spell love this way, T-I-M-E. Children spell love T-I-M-E. The amount of time that their parents spend with them indicates to the child that they are really loved. There can be no argument when we spend time With the ones that we love. So, do you spend time with Jesus? Every day. The third question you can ask to see if you're in a committed relationship with Jesus is do you recognize his voice? Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and they know me. Can you hear his voice when you're struggling? When you're struggling with a decision, when you're struggling with a change in life situation, can you hear the voice of Jesus or are there so many other voices out there that you just don't know Jesus' voice well enough to hear him? He said, my sheep know my voice. If you're a committed follower of Jesus, then you will know Jesus' voice. And a last question to consider is, how or why did you begin your relationship with Jesus? Do you remember? Do you remember why you started to believe in Jesus? Why you started to, or when, or how you believed in Jesus? Was it a time when somebody said to you and told you of Jesus' love for you and his willingness to go to the cross for you and you realised that Jesus did it for me, did it for you? He said, Lord, I believe and I want to follow you. Do you remember how? Or why you began your relationship with Jesus? If you ask yourself those questions, then you'll know if you're in a committed relationship with Jesus. The second type of people that we often have in gatherings is those who have a casual relationship with Jesus. It's this casual relationship means that it's not the starting point of Luke 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, because there's nothing casual about self-denial. There's nothing casual about a cross or so there's nothing casual about following Jesus. So, if, it, if your relationship with Jesus hasn't counted the cost of following Jesus, then maybe you're in a casual relationship. One uh, pastor that I used to be on team with when he shared the, the gospel with people he, he talked to people about Jesus willing sacrifice, going to the cross his, uh, his uh, paying the price of sin but he always included the fact that if you believe in Jesus and you choose to follow him then you need to count the cost as well. You remember those stories Jesus told about the builder who goes out to build a house or a tower and he first has to calculate whether he's going to have enough money to finish the job and if he doesn't then he doesn't do the job or the Uh, the army, the commander of the army goes out to fight against another army and he looks at it and thinks, there's more of them than us. Um, If we go into this fight we're going to lose out so we'll surrender instead. So he counted the cost. And for some of us we're not told about what the cost is of following Jesus. I'm not talking about the dollars and cents. I'm talking about that willingness to surrender to him as the Lord and the boss and the master of our lives. Some people aren't there yet. One person that we have in the scriptures that wasn't there yet, it was a man called Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verses 1 to 21 says this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Pharisees were uh, one of the two religious parties in, in Israel at the time, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. So he was a fan. We know this about you. I know. He was actually saying, I know this about you. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. So, here's the fan. Nicodemus is a fan. He's a fan in secret, by the way, because he came at night time, so nobody else would know. Verse 3, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Well, Jesus wasn't talking about that, was he? Verse 5, may have eternal life. That's the promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You've heard those verses before, haven't you? Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world but men love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil and I think we still see that today, don't we? Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Do I wonder if he was saying that because Nicodemus came visiting in secret at night time. I wonder. But who, Verse 21 says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what has been done, what what he has done has been done through God. Nicodemus, a leader of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews, an educated man, a well respected man, had a position of honour. He possessed certain diplomatic skills which were desperately needed in that day. You know, we know you are a man from God. That's diplomacy. But because of his status, Nicodemus didn't want to be seen as a fan of Jesus. He came at night time. And we don't really know the contents of Nicodemus' heart, but we do know that he came under the cover of darkness so that his status, his position, his popularity wouldn't be tainted if he was seen. I suggest that a relationship that's under the cover of darkness is at best casual, at worst secretive. So we have many people in churches and in our community that, uh, if they're not called casual Christians, I think they're called closet Christians. They believe in secret, but they don't want to live out what they believe. Jesus doesn't want those sort of things. He wants followers. So the real question is, Have you made a decision for Jesus and become a fan or have you chosen to follow Jesus? There is a difference. There is a difference. A third relationship that people may have is a cold relationship. I'm reminded of Mark chapter 10 where the rich young man came and spoke to Jesus wanting to know the secret of eternal life. Let's read this story. Mark chapter 10 verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus? answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel To go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, This is absolutely precious, isn't it? It's gold. With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With God. Peter said to him, We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the Gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions. And in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This man wanted to be a fan of Jesus. He came and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now he had everything Supposedly, but he wanted this eternal life that Jesus was talking about. You know, Jesus asked him about some of the commandments, but not the most important commandment. The most important commandment was, have no, love the Lord your God, have no other gods before me. And certainly this man had made wealth his God. Just be careful. Some people say that Jesus was preaching against wealth. He wasn't. He was saying that With God all things are are possible. So if wealth is not your God but you are a wealthy person then it's absolutely possible for you to make it to heaven. That's what Jesus was saying. He wasn't preaching against wealth. He was preaching about the love of wealth and the attitude towards wealth. He He thought, this young man thought by playing up to Jesus and asking the right question, Jesus might lower his standards a little bit and sort of make it okay for him to slip in. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, have no other gods before me. He didn't actually say it, but that's where he was going. Jesus doesn't know his standard for everyone. anyone. The rich young man was stunned and walked away. He walked away from the giver of life. He walked away from the relationship that he could have with the Lord and Saviour. He chose to do that. Some will say to me, Pastor John, we, we've heard this message heaps of times before. You're re thrashing it. You're, you're going over the making disciples following Jesus. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because I think we need to hear it often. Because so often the world creeps in and we, we start to put our faith and our trust in other things other than Jesus. We start to think it's so good to come on Sundays and be amongst Christian people, and it is. It's so great to appreciate the worship teams and the ministry teams, and it is. But it's even better to be following Jesus day by day because it makes everything else worthwhile. What's at stake when I talk about are you a follower of Jesus or a fan is eternal destinies at stake. It's a heaven and hell, heaven or hell, life, death or life for eternity situation. Kyle Eidelman, the writer of that book, not a fan, he ask the question, how would you define your relationship with Jesus? I wonder how Jesus would define his relationship with you this morning. Are you a fan, just a fan or are you a follower? He said in verse 23 of chapter, Luke chapter 9 the thing that we started off on, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me. And that means putting Jesus as number one in your life checking in with him every day, saying, Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I being the follower you want me to be? Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? If you'd like to chat with me over morning tea about what I've said this morning, please grab me. Uh, I'd love to chat with you about the difference. I'd love to encourage you to be a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you. We thank you that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus, to show us what you're like, your, your nature, your character, your personality. We thank you that you're a God of grace and mercy and love, a God of righteousness, a holy God. We thank you Jesus showed us all those things and taught us all those things and that you have a, a, a response or you require a response from people who are to be true in their faith towards you. And that response is not just to be a fan, not just to honour Jesus for who he is and what he'd said, but to be a follower of Jesus as he's charged us to be, just like we reminded in that children's video this morning, we to go out and preach the gospel and make disciples. And Father, I pray that that will be a charge for us today and in this year that we'll actively seek to first of all be uh, 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 committed followers in our relationship with the Lord Jesus, but then also to encourage others to come on the journey with us, that we might show them and teach them and encourage them on how they can become committed followers of Jesus as well. Lord, we pray that you will grow your church. We know there are people seeking direction in life. We pray that we might lead them to Jesus and help them to follow Jesus day by day. Lord, we do this not for our own status, not for our own ego, but because it's what you've asked us to do. We do this because we're your people. We praise you and thank you for your Holy Spirit with us who enables us to live this way and that we have this supernatural connection with the living God, God within us, We thank you that your spirit is the one that enables us to follow Jesus day by day.